Hey there, I almost forgot to record my Patreon spiel. I'm just going to place it here right at the top of the episode. There are some exciting things happening around Counter Melody. I'm increasing my social media presence with some expert guidance because I am no expert. Some of that activity will eventually be mounted on the Patreon platform. So for those of you who are not yet Patreon supporters, please go to patreon.com countermelody where you can join the voluminous number of people who are already supporting the podcast. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's get going with the episode. <laughs> Welcome to Counter Melody, the podcast on great singers and great singing. Each week, you will encounter me, Daniel Gundlach, as your host, guiding you along a magical route that will bring us closer to the voices of those singers that most enchant and transform us, no matter what else is going on in the world out there. Thank you for joining me on that path. And now, this week's episode. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. All through the night, I'm going to let it shine. All through the night, I'm going to let it shine. All through the night, I'm going to let it shine. Today, friends, it is my indescribable privilege and pleasure to bring to you that magnificent, larger-than-life diva, Grace Bumbry. When I present a singer this famous on the podcast, I feel that it's my responsibility to highlight 
certain less explored aspects of their artistry or repertoire. We all know that Grace Bumbry was a supreme. Amiris. Aboli. Carmen. Azucena. But there are two aspects of her singing, well, three, that I want to explore today. First of all, her forays into the soprano repertoire. Second of all, her prowess as a leader singer. And third of all, an extraordinary rock solid technique that saw her through a career that lasted more than 60 years. We just now heard Grace Bumbry's fervent, confident performance of This Little Light of Mine, a beloved spiritual. That was from a live performance that took place on the 4th of July, 1965, in Amsterdam. Grace Melzia Ann Bumbry was born on the 4th of January, 1937. She grew up in St. Louis and credits her high school voice teacher, Kenneth Billups, as providing the foundation for her solid vocal technique, which she later perfected with the renowned Armenian-American tenor Armand Tokatian. Of course, her most famous teacher and mentor was the great Lotte Lehmann, with whom she studied at the Music Academy of the West. Let us hear Bumbry herself speak about Lehmann's influence on her music-making, specifically on her approach to art song. This will be followed by a 1962 studio recording of Bumbry singing Franz Schubert's Litanei auf das Fest aller Seelen, which is a prayer that was written for All Souls Day, which we just observed earlier this week. Eric Verba, with whom she also studied, is the pianist. The approach to a song in Lotte Lehmann's terms. First and foremost was the text. Then how the music was introduced onto that text and how the two worked together. Why did he write at this particular moment a pianissimo and not a forte? or mezzo forte? Why did he make a diminuendo there instead of a, maybe a crescendo? Why did he change the tempo? Why did he make a 3-4 beat instead of a 4-4 four, four beat? Why did he put it in minor instead of major? All of those things.
particularly because of Lehmann's influence, Bunbury's intention was to be a concert singer, following the example she has said of Marian Anderson. In 1958, she was a joint winner of the Met competition alongside Martina Arroyo. She made her operatic debut in Paris in 1960 at the age of 23, singing Amneris in Aida, a role that became one of her big calling cards. She became an overnight superstar when she was chosen by Wieland Wagner to portray Venus in Tannhäuser at Bayreuth in 1961. She was the first black singer to appear at Bayreuth, and the German press dubbed her Die Schwarze Venus, the Black Venus. By the way, this aspect of Bambri's career and that of numerous other black singers singing in Europe is the subject of a very important book called Singing Like Germans by the musical scholar Kira Thurman. I've recommended it before on the podcast, and I recommend it all to you again. After those appearances in Paris and at Bayreuth, debut followed upon debut in rapid succession, and by the end of the 1960s, she had pretty much sung in every possible operatic venue around the world. certainly all of the major ones. In 1964, she took on her first soprano role, Lady Macbeth, at the Wiener Staatsoper. This is considered a sort of Zwischenfach role. It's often done by mezzo-sopranos as well. Purportedly, this was not a favorite role of Grace Bumbry's, but when she was on in this part, she was on. In 1971, she was featured on a BBC program called Music on Two, which featured her in a cross-section of her repertoire. Maybe some of you have seen the clip on YouTube of her portraying Lady Macbeth in that first scene. I'm going to play a portion of that telecast for you, which was first aired on June 6th, 1971. This is the Vienita Fretta. Oh, my God. 
the other hand, Bumbry's skills as a recitalist were immediately apparent to those who heard her in art song recitals. This was an important platform for her throughout her entire career, including into the new millennium. On the 5th of May 2001, she performed at the age of 64 at the Théâtre du Châtelet in a recital that was a tribute to Lotte-Lehmann. Those features which she was talking about as being foremost in Lehmann's artistic profile as a leader singer are very much in evidence in her performance from that Châtelet concert of Der Nussbaum by Robert Schumann to a text by Julius Mosen. The pianist is Helmut Deutsch.
Grace Bunbury was frequently compared and contrasted with another superstar singer with whom she shared certain characteristics, the African-American mezzo-soprano turned soprano Shirley Verrett. While, according to Bunbury herself, the two were never friends, they did share what I would call a friendly rivalry, and for a number of years, beginning in 1983, in honor of the birthday of Marian Anderson, they performed around the world in a series of duet concerts with orchestra. The first of these took place in January 1983 at Carnegie Hall. The following year, they repeated the program at Covent Garden where it was broadcast. The opening number in this extraordinarily exciting duet concert was the duet between La Gioconda and her rival Laura in the second act of Ponchielli's La Gioconda. By this point, Grace Bunbury was singing the role of La Gioconda, a role which Shirley Verrett herself never sang. And yet, in this concert, we hear Shirley Verrett singing Gioconda and Grace Bunbury performing Laura, a role which she did sing, in fact, before she abandoned it for La Gioconda. Amazingly candid and frequently very 
funny interviews with Grace Bumbry that can be found all over YouTube. And I recommend spending time with these. You really get a sense of what a formidable figure Grace Bumbry is. She also has, as I mentioned, a marvelous sense of humor. And I just want you to hear her comments regarding Mirella Freni in an interview with Stefan Zucker on the radio program Opera Fanatic. Freni. Ah, that's a beautiful singer. Now, you see, now, we were talking before about black voices. That is the closest to a black voice that I know from a white singer. How so? But you must hear that in that. It's a, there's this, this special, there's a, an extra quality in there. I often say that I think somebody must have been visiting there during the war times. <laughs> Bumbry also dipped her toe on more than one occasion into the pop music repertoire, but she always retained a certain regality, which again I think makes a wonderful contrast. She gets into a more vernacular kind of musical language, yet it's always distanced somewhat by this formality. There's a wonderful example of this. She put out a 45 in the year 1975, which featured on the A side a song called Natalie, which was a song that had also been sung by Shirley Bassey. I absolutely adore the way that Grace Bumbry says the name Natalie. I can't possibly imitate it. You just have to hear her do it. As I say, the recordings from 1975 and and she is backed by Roger Webb and his orchestra. I saw the danger The day we met her No passing stranger Who could forget her Their look was fleeting But told its story And that chance meeting Meant heartaches for me
Just as Grace Bunbury could be very frank with her admiration of other singers, so she could be harshly critical of those that she felt were not maintaining the standards that she herself adhered to. Just listen to her words about a certain singer for whom I don't have a great deal of affection or respect. What of Ava Martin? Oh, that's a good question, too, because I think uh, Madame Dimitrov um, said that uh, except for herself and, and, and Ava Martin, there were no other dramatic sopranos around. Now, I think she might be certainly correct when she says that she is a dramatic soprano. But as far as Ava Martin is concerned, I do not, I definitely do not think that she is a dramatic soprano at all. And um, I think that she has a, a very sizable lyric soprano voice, which she has pushed to to make it make it um, full give it give it a certain fullness to it but is it is not a dramatic soprano voice what did you make of Martin's Tosca I found it rather cold mm. I didn't find that the voice was uh, was dramatic enough for me and uh, dramatic in the Italian sense it it didn't give me enough warmth I I don't think even her her body movements were um, sufficiently dramatic for me. I thought what she did in the, in the Visidarte was quite the, quite nice, how she did it from a prone position. But for my taste, there wasn't enough drama in what she did. Now here is Grace Bumbry showing us her dramatic soprano side. Sometimes she would take on repertoire that was just perhaps the tiniest bit beyond her, but she had a will of steel that you hear in her performances of roles like Medea, Elvira in Ernani, and this capstone of the dramatic coloratura repertoire, Abigaile in Nabucco. This was a production which she inaugurated in Paris in 1979, and these are Abigaile's opening lines as she comes upon her sister hanging out with a guy whom she has also set her eyes on. This is Prode Guerriere.
I'd like to continue exploring Grace Bombrie in the soprano repertoire, and I am going to feature her now in two different French arias, both of which were included in a 1984 opera arias recital album. The conductor, by the way, is Stefan Soltesch, a Hungarian conductor who pursued a very active career up until his death at the age of 73 this past July, when he collapsed on the podium and died in the middle of a performance at the Bayerische Staatsoper. We're going to hear him accompany Grace Bombry first in the aria Pleurer mes yeux by Jules Massenet from his opera Lucide. The role of Chimène is one that Grace Bombry sang in concert with Eve Queller at Carnegie Hall in the mid-1970s. And this performance, I think, from the year 1984, is even better than that live recording, which has been widely circulated initially on Columbia Records. is a role that I don't think any of us would expect to hear Grace Bunbury perform. It is Depuis le jour from Gustave Charpentier's so-called musical novel, Louise, which pits youth and free love represented by the young seamstress Louise and her bohemian artist lover Julien against the older working class represented by Louise's father, all set 
in an extremely picturesque way in Paris, which almost becomes a character in the drama. This is a portion of Louise's third act aria. I want you to pay attention to how Grace Bumbry manages to float some exquisite pianissimi. This was not something that came naturally to her, much as one might note was also not something that came naturally to Maria Callas. But I think Bumbry's performance of this aria, in fact, is much more effectively managed than Maria's two somewhat wobbly and difficult to listen to recordings. Now I want to play an extended excerpt for you from Grace Bumbry's first official soprano role, Zalome, which she first portrayed at Covent Garden in the year 1970. I think this was one of her most successful soprano impersonations. We're going to hear an extended excerpt from the scene between Zalome and Johanna Ann, John the Baptist, 
here portrayed by the British bass baritone Norman Bailey, whom I featured on an episode a year ago, shortly after his death, at the age of 88. This performance is from Chicago Lyric Opera. Berislav Klobuchar is the conductor, and the performance took place on the 27th of September 1978. I'll precede this excerpt with a portion of the opera fanatic interview in which Stefan Zucker asked Bunbury about Lehmann's influence on her portrayal of Zalome. Did Lehmann play a part in shaping in Salome? this? Yes. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, she was well against me singing Salome, and I converted her, as a matter of fact, because she didn't want me to sing the, the soprano repertoire at all. How come? The, the, she heard this dark, warm voice of mine, and that is what, what uh, impressed her most.
final operatic selection today is Grace Bumbry singing the title role of Turando or Turandot if you're going to follow the Metropolitan's way of pronouncing her name. Grace Bumbry had many offers to portray this part once she began singing the soprano repertoire and yet she didn't get around to doing it until 1991 when she was already in her mid-50s. I want to just observe some Thing briefly here. Grace Bumbry, especially in her soprano roles, tends to sing the tiniest bit sharp. So did Birgit Nielsen. It puts a kind of exciting edge on her sound, and I remember reading in an interview from many years ago, I think it was in Opera News, that she said that she kept her piano at home tuned up just a few megahertz higher than the standard tuning. And it could be that because she learned these roles with a piano that was pitched just on the sharp side, that she sang these roles into her voice in such a way that the highest notes sometimes went a tiny bit sharp. This does not bother me. If you've noticed it, I hope it hasn't bothered you either. We'll hear that in this excerpt from In Questa Regia. Bumbry first sang Turandot in Sydney with Australian opera, and we hear briefly opposite her, the Caliph of Kenneth Collins. Oh, my God. 
now I have a little leader recital for you with Grace Bumbry, accompanied by a number of different pianists in recordings and performances ranging over more than 40 years. We'll start with Widmung by Robert Schumann, set to a text by Friedrich Röckert. According to Bumbry, Schumann was Lehmann's very favorite composer, and therefore, what a wonderful way to begin this little recitalette than with a dedication written by Lehmann's favorite. This recording is from a 1971 commercial release in which the American pianist Leonard Hokanson accompanies Grace Bunbury. Bumbry herself professed a preference for the music of Franz Schubert as one of her central musical loves. And of course, those of you who listen to the podcast know that for me, Schubertliness is next to godliness or something like that. I have two contrasting Schubert songs to play for you. The first is Fahrt, 
zum Hades, Journey to Hades, set to a text of Johann Meyerhofer, who was one of that circle of friends of Schubert's who were very drawn to the world of Greek antiquity. And this song depicts a boat ride to hell. But Bunbury has a very distinctive view of this trip. I've heard other interpreters who gave a much more dramatic spin to the song. Bunbury's interpretation instead is doom-laden, full of foreboding and exhaustion. In this 1964 studio recording, she is accompanied by Sebastian Peschko. Vergessen 
Ms. Bumbry reveals herself in many of the interviews that I listened to this week to be not just an enormously self-assured, but an extremely humorous person. One of the songs she performed at the Châtelet in 2001 in her Lotte Lehmann tribute concert with Helmut Deutsch is the very amusing song Die Männer sind mechant. Men are naughty. The text is by Johann Gabriel Seidel, who also is the poet responsible for some of Schubert's profoundest and most deeply felt songs. This one, however, is a very humorous one in which a young girl comes to her mother and says, you were right, mommy. Men are very naughty indeed. You won't believe what I just saw going on in the bushes the other night. I saw my beloved hidden there with another person. It just began with hand claspings and then kisses, and from then, oh, dearest mother, I can't even say. Of course, me being who I am, I always imagine that this is an encounter between her boyfriend and another man. But that's just me. Don't let me put my own interpretation on this song. Let's instead hear how Grace Bumbry does it. But I'm going to precede this with what I find to be her very amusing comment to Stefan Zucker when questioned about the voice of Nikolai Gyaurov. Ah. Yeah, purr, 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 purr. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. Me and um, Paul Plischka, James Morris, those are, and, and Bernardo Giotti, those are my favorite basses. And, and you, do you, but you see that there's something communal in there, don't you see that? that they all have big, beautiful, luscious voices. Luscious, big, that's what I like. <clears throat> that really sets my heart throbbing. Luscious, big, not something small and insignificant. Du sagtest mir es Mutter, er ist ein Springensfeld. Ich würd es dir nicht glauben, bis ich mich krank gequält. Ja, ja, nun ist es wirklich. Ich hat ihn nur verkannt. Du sagtest mir so, Mutter. Du sagtest mir so, Mutter. Die Männer sind mechant. Vor Dorf im Busch aus gestern die Stille Dämmerung sah. 
One of the things I love the very most about Grace Bumbry is the enormous emotional range she brings to her work. In her operatic roles, she's so impetuous, so driven, so strong-willed, such a larger-than-life personality, something that is absolutely required for the roles in which she excelled. But then she can also turn on a dime and give a performance such as this one of the Johannes Brahms song Feld Einsamkeit, in which the poet lies in the grass in the middle of a field, sees the clouds rolling by, and is enveloped with visions of eternity. This is one of the most peaceful songs that I know of, and Grace Bumbry and Leonard Hokanson give it such an evocative reading. The recording is again from 
I think that Bunbury was particularly well suited to the music of Johannes Brahms. There is that beautiful, velvety quality in her sound, the aspect that Lehmann so responded to. And I think that Brahms's music, his leader, are best interpreted by singers who have that beautiful quality, that depth of tone, as well as the verbal acuity to bring the texts to life. Now, we all know that Brahms did not always set the most distinguished texts, but the feelings that are evoked in spite of third-rate poetry are, as we just heard in the Feld Einsamkeit, of the most profound kind. Here, in contrast, is the song O liebliche Wangen, which is just an out-and-out effusive love song. This is from a live Salzburg concert in 1965 in which our diva is accompanied by Beaumont Glass. Oh, <laughs> 
This next song brings us back to the music of Richard Strauss. The majority of his lieder were written before he entered his period in which he composed his operatic masterpieces. This is a song called Sehnsucht. It was composed in the year 1896. It's a setting of the poet Detlef von Lilienkron. This was not a song that I was familiar with, but it strikes me as one of Strauss's most interesting. The title is Sehnsucht, Longing, and the performance that we're going to hear is from that phenomenal 2001 recital at the Châtelet, in which Madame Bunbury is accompanied by Helmut Deutsch. I walked along the lonely road as I'm wont to do each day alone. The heath is silent, not a soul in the fields, merely the wind in the hedge before me. The road stretches far ahead, and my heart yearned for you alone. And were you to come, it would be a miracle, and I should bow down before you, for I love you. And a single glance from you as we met would be my life's happiest moment. But were you to gaze at me coldly, I defy you, my girl, I love you. But if your lovely eyes smile in welcome, like a sun in my dark night, I should quickly embrace your sweetheart and gently whisper, I love you. Thank you. 
I'm going to close off the art song recital with excerpts from two melodies. The first is Franz Liszt's ineffably beautiful setting of Victor Hugo's poem, O Quand Je Dors, a song which seems to bring out the very best in many interpreters. That's certainly true of Grace Bunbury and Helmut Deutsch. I do want to remind you that Bunbury here was 64 years old, and I want you to just have that in the back of your mind as her luscious, velvety tones unfold on such a seamless stream of breath. Grace Bunbury continued to sing in public at least through the year 2013. She gave her final quote-unquote performances in opera as Clutemnestra in 1997 in Lyon, but then she returned to performing a number of years later to appear at the Châtelet in Scott Joplin's Trimonitia, and following that, she also appeared in Vienna in Pique Dame as the Old Countess. Even here in Berlin, on July 4th, 2013, she appeared at a live outdoor pop concert at the Gendarmenmarkt. 
but the most recent performance I'm going to play for you is one that was shot on someone's phone at a recital that Bumbry gave again at the Châtelet. Here she's singing a song which is not closely associated with her and yet which she sings even at the age of 74. Absolute perfection. This is Le Spectre de la Rose from Hector Berlioz's Les Nuits d'été. The pianist here is Alexander Schmalch. Today we have the problem of many foreign singers singing this wonderful European music. It is not an easy job, but it's a very rewarding one if you are honest. If you are honest and, and that you love what you're doing, if you are dedicated to it, then you leave no pages, no stones unturned in how to create the right atmosphere and how to interpret that so that your today's audience understands what went on in that period. Even though you can't really, 100%, each, each person doesn't really understand it the way you feel it, but it's your job to try to impart to them the world of that composer, the world of that poet. In 2009, Grace Bunbury was awarded a Kennedy Center honor. And just this winter, she attended the awards in Washington, D.C., when her friend and colleague, Justino Diaz, in turn received his own award. In recent years, Grace Bunbury has maintained a very active presence on social media as a juror on competitions, and probably most importantly, as a teacher and coach. She's been giving master classes over the past several years, which she has entitled deliciously The Bunbury Way. She has been a real mentor for young singers, but she is a harsh taskmistress. If she thinks something is not right, she will speak out about it. And she has never hesitated. What is the difference between knowing what you're doing and being a finished artist? Can you pin that down? Knowing what you're doing with what you now have to work with is not being an artist. But I don't, I don't think if you rush it that uh, it's, going to, it's going to develop that way. I, I really truly don't think so. I may, be, I may be wrong. Could you give us some examples? Like what? What kind of... Uh, well, kind of what are you looking for? Uh, could you tell us about a passage where you would say, well, she knows what she's doing, All but, right, I'll give you, I give you yeah. a good example. Uh, and it's not about what she's doing, but what she's doing incorrectly. And that is singing behind the beat. You cannot sing behind the beat and expect to be, be termed a first-rate artist. I mean, simple as that. 
her dedication and commitment to her craft, to her art, remain an inspiration to those of us who treasure her and treat her with the reverence and respect that she deserves. Recently, Grace Bumbry has had some health concerns, and I offer this episode in wishes for a full return to health so that she may continue to bless us with her presence. In 1995, Grace Bumbry put out a pop album, which I find encapsulates all of the wonderful contradictions of her as an artist and a person. The record is crowned by her performance of the song My Way. Now, I confess, I've said this before on the podcast, this is not a song that I'm particularly fond of, but there's something about her frank candor, her standing up for her standards, and her pride in her own accomplishments that seems to me to be the perfect vehicle for Grace Bumbry, and her performance of My Way truly reveals to me, as I hope it will to you, the Bumbry way. I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my share, my share of losing, and now, as tears subside, it all so amusing to think I did all that and may I say not in a shy way oh no oh no not me I did it I Dear friends, keep the song in your hearts. 
our fond best wishes go out to you, Madam Grace Bumbry. I'm Daniel Gundlach.